0: I mean, I would talk to anybody wherever I was, which I'm already a pretty sociable person. So if I was out or of, uh, I was, I mean, I was using my time there kind of the meat counter just to like network and talk to people. But just, you know, cold calls, for sale by owners, things like that. Uh, just And it just transitioned into investments just through some of those connections. Really, like one of them started off as a for sale by owners. Now, what I call a business partner of mine.
1: Welcome to The Great Investor Podcast, podcasts about real estate entrepreneurs visionaries and the stories behind the legacies they're creating i'm your host rob chavez and on today's episode i've got Corey king from knoxville tennessee Now, this was recorded about a year and a half ago. We're in the middle of COVID, and since then, Corey and I have actually become quite good friends. In fact, I'm in Knoxville right now for a mastermind and was just sitting down with him and his wife yesterday discussing different investments and learning more about how to search for properties on Google Maps and Google Earth, and uh, and so we were having some fun. Now, what I love about Corey's journey is that he goes from restaurateur to real estate agent and then combines the power of investing and being investor to his agent business. And he's what I call an agent investor. He's got this machine that's rocking on the agent business and he's using that cash to buy investments. And so for those that are on that same journey, Corey is somebody that you might wanna to look to and even look up, right, if you're ever in Knoxville, Tennessee. In fact, he's got the next 21 years planned out with a big map behind him with all the locations he's going to spend time in once he builds up this portfolio of properties. And so success leaves clues, and hopefully you'll listen to some of the clues that he drops in this episode. What is going on, Grid? Hey, today I've got Corey King from Knoxville, Tennessee with us. Corey, man, I'm excited to have you on. Thanks so so much for sharing some time with me today.
0: Dude, thanks so much for, for having me, Rob. This is really, really cool. I really appreciate the invite.
1: Hey, man, I this is going to be a great conversation because we're going to talk, uh, this is going to be part of what I call our income flip series, right? And the income flip series is really targeted towards that real estate agent. It could even be an investor, right? Who's a wholesaler. But the sure. concept is to take this earned income that they're creating from wholesaling or being an agent and start moving it into the other side, the passive income uh, side. You know, you can't stay a wholesaler forever, you know, living 30, 60, 90 day money. Like, yes, you make good money, but it's hard to build a life and wealth that way. Same thing with being an agent. Same thing with being a rehabber, right? And so the the sooner we can help, you know, our fellow real estate entrepreneurs kind of convert over, Uh, the better. And so I'm on a mission to help people do that. That's what grid talk is, is all about. Right. And, and um, one of the cool things is you've, you've started down this journey. And so what I want to do is go back in time so that people learn a little bit more about your story, your journey. And then we could talk a little bit more about this concept and what you're doing there. Right. So let's, let's go back, man. You're not from Knoxville, Tennessee. Originally you're from Florida. that Right.
0: Yeah, that's correct. From, uh, from like Melbourne, Florida, like Brevard County. So like East central coast, go to Orlando in the middle of the state, go East out to the ocean. And that's, that's Brevard.
1: So how do you go from the ocean and you're like, okay, we're, go- we're gonna we're going to end up in Knoxville, Tennessee. How does that happen? Right.
0: So that, that happened just from, uh, when I met my beautiful wife, Amelia, um, she was finished up her master's program, uh, down there in, in Melbourne at, uh, FIT, Florida Institute of Technology. Um, we met pretty early on in her master's program. So she made it pretty clear right away as you I'm only here for school, right? Uh I'm not here for the long term, uh, just here for that. And then I'm I'm looking to move back up north. She's from North Carolina originally. Um, and so I'd been in Florida then for 13, 14 years, um, kind of running a restaurant down there. And so I could could stand to have made a change at that point too. So it just gave me a good timeline, right? Said, hey, cool, I've got a year and a half to figure out how am I going to hand off uh, my part of this restaurant business over so that it continues to go uh, and I can kind of move on to my next chapter. And so... um,
1: Well, let me ask you a question. Were you you a part owner in that restaurant then?
0: Yep. Okay. Still in. Actually, still retain a little ownership piece of it.
1: Okay. Good for you. What kind of restaurant?
0: Uh, So it's called Long Doggers. Uh, It's a little small kind of local chain. Uh, I... I joined in as a line cook in 2006 uh, as the se- part of the second restaurant opening. And then over the course of my career, worked my way up to becoming an owner-operator. Uh, now there is six with, I think, plans for two more. Although we got to be a little quiet with where those are going to be just yet. Yeah. But yeah, just a really cool journey, I mean, overall. And then so that just led us here, really.
1: Well, you know, what's interesting, but that's a hard business, right? The restaurant business is a hard business. Right yeah. and um I, I was in college, um, I was in that business. I waited tables and was a bartender. And I remember the owner of the business approached me and said, Hey, I want you to be I want you to be a manager, right? And I was like, No. I was like, I see how much how hard the managers work and I make more money than them in tips and in tending bars. So uh, I I think you only do that if you know that you want to go in and start your own business, and because you got you got to understand you know the the ins and outs and the finances behind it and the ordering and the scheduling and yeah. all that stuff.
0: Definitely, although I mean I learned a lot, and you do learn a lot in that in that business. I think if you are in that for any period of time, um, there's a lot of things that translate right, one hundred percent, definitely in real estate for sure. But I mean, across all businesses. I mean, one of my one of my mentors, kind of one of the original founding members of that uh that company, told me a really good lesson just in that this is the most powerful tool you have, right? It's the ability to delegate. Uh he's a little bit, he was a wrestling coach, so he's a little bit more aggressive Mm -hmm. and direct with you. Uh, but he's able to get stuff done. He's got a heart of gold, uh Mm -hmm. as as well. And but that was a big lesson because for me it was always hard to trust others to do it, right? I was also myself, I'll just do it. But at a certain point, you just you can only handle so much. So you need to bring on leverage. You need to bring on help. Um, and so I was a great mentor for that. And then I think real estate specifically, it translates really well because I found that if you're in hospitality for any like length of time, I don't know, you tend to run into the same kind of personalities, mm-hmm. right? Uh, throughout it all, like be it in staff or even guests. And I, I find myself looking at some folks like lately, like, I've met you before. You didn't look like you, like (laughs) I've met you before, right? I've sat next to you at the bar or I've thrown you out of the bar. Like, right. Um, so I, you,
1: we, you and I uh, I were chatting afterwards, uh, uh, not afterwards, but before this. And, and you said that the way you got in though, was that you were, you know, you were still in the hospitality industry, but you started buying and flipping lots in 2011 right That's, like how did yeah. how does how did that seed come about i'm sure so, i i got kind of
0: put on to it a little bit i mean a, a buddy of mine at the time was also saying like hey you should come check out this auction in, in town um and they do it like every other month kind of thing and you can look a month or so out see what's coming up and they're not just selling real estate they were selling cars and boats and tools and collectibles and all that stuff and real estate and um so I went to go like check it out and I'd see these lots come up for sale. This is right, like 2010, 11, 12 markets bottom. Nobody's building anything. Um, and these lots are going for like two grand, three grand a pop. Market values eight or ten at the time. Still not like, you know, uh they're so good. I mean, at that right. So I just I was picking them up. I'd buy them for like three grand. And then my little, I was like my side hustles, I'd go buy them for three and they were in subdivisions that had like started and then stopped because the market crashed. So a lot of those builders lost out on everything. And that's why these lots ended up at auction. Um, so I would just go and buy these and then go like knock on the door of like neighbors on either side of it and be like, hey, right, like I got this lot. I don't know, you want to buy it, make sure nobody builds next to you, that kind of thing. Double your lot size, what have you. And occasionally you get like the no, like that's like, all right, that's fine. I'm going to go talk to your neighbor like real quick. Like, well, hold on a second real quick. (laughs) It comes out real fast. So that was like a fun little hustle. And then I would just kind of like, you know, pocket some cash or then I might roll it over into the next auction and pick up a couple more. Um, And that's kind of what started the... I guess the real estate like hustle in me was just this little side thing that I had it at those auctions. Yeah, I did for a couple of years.
1: Yeah, and uh, you learn a lot in that process, right? You learn arbitrage. Hey, I could buy something, you know, at auction for less, mm-hmm. and then I could sell it for more, right? That there's 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 a lot of like learning that happens in there, a lot of psychology that happens in there. So, so what happened? Like you you did that for how long? Two years? So I did that for I did that for probably about like
0: three, three or four years or so. Like just kind of playing around, going to that. And I mean, I saw some smoking deals go by that I just didn't even I just didn't have the cash, and maybe just wasn't even aware of just where to find the money. Right? Sure. How I could maybe borrow this? Because I mean, I found I saw deals that somebody bought this one lot in a community in North Carolina that they got it for like ten grand. Is a very nice luxury community, has some private airstrip, the restrictions in there. I'll say like your minimum build has to be, you know, three or four thousand square feet. Cost has to be a million dollars. I was like, oh my God, these lots are selling for a hundred grand. And this is back then they were selling for like a hundred grand, mm-hmm. right? And I just didn't even have the cash, but I saw this one guy get it for like 10 grand. It was the craziest thing. I was like, I couldn't believe nobody else like ran that up just... To make him pay a well, bit.
1: We're going to we're gonna come back to that, right? Yeah. Real estate is all about cycles, and so we start learning about what happens the next time a cycle comes, and what we right. what we plan on doing the next time.
0: <laughs> sure. So,
1: so that said, you you uh, started doing the side hustle, and then sure. um, you moved to Knoxville, right? right. With um, you weren't married at the time, right? No. It was just your okay.
0: The your opposite.
1: fiance or girlfriend at the time, yeah. right? And you go to this place, you don't know anybody, or you know one person,
0: right? Yeah. There. I went to high school outside of town, but like I didn't really keep in contact with like anybody. So it was just my one like my best friend Christopher, who was like the only person I'd ever maintained some semblance of uh communication with over that, you know, fifteen years I was in Florida. So yeah, I didn't other than my wife, I knew like one person and like my grandparents.
1: Okay. So you but so you did grow up there then. In
0: Ish, like I went to yeah, I went to high school outside of town, where I lived a little about in town called Oliver Springs, about 30, 40 minutes. So like I wasn't even super familiar with Knoxville, even like when I mm-hmm. lived here, it was like I didn't have a car, so like I couldn't come to town to check and see what was going on here.
1: Okay, okay. So you get in the town and you're like, okay, I've, I've I'm now not going to open up another restaurant, no. right? Or did that thought cross of, your mind?
0: A lot of uh, the, Honestly, the thought had crossed my mind, yeah. but then it's just man that's a that's a beast of a business to be in for sure and i'd already kind of hit that like burnout phase to a degree i just couldn't see that progression and didn't want to just bootstrap something from there just for me wasn't wasn't right
1: so how did you get your license how did that come about
0: um so it was always something i thought of right uh thought of something to do i i um had done a couple of real estate deals like in Florida, just like personally, right. Bought my first house as a short sale in 2009 mm-hmm. um, and have been around it. So it always kind of intrigued me. And then certainly through the lot flipping hustle, it was always like, oh, this could be fun. Um, so there was just kind of an opportunity there to just to do it. So I was working kind of at a little place part time here uh, at a grocery store, actually just in like the meat department, which. I've actually closed like four deals because of just working for that like short amount of time in that meat department. Uh, (laughs) You might say Sam the butcher. People just walk up and talk to you just like you're a bartender. So those relationships, I just held on to them. And I've done probably two million volume just out of like those relationships of just talking at the meat counter. Um, So I did that just for the time to get my license. I mean, it just, whatever the couple months it was to get my license. And it was just off to the races from there.
1: no i guess what you and i talked about and uh it wasn't all investors right it was like anybody 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 and everybody that's right
0: anybody and everybody they could do it i was just prospecting my face i mean i would talk to anybody wherever i was which i'm already a pretty sociable person um so if i was out or uh certain i was i mean i was using my time there kind of the meat counter just to like network and talk to people um but just, you know, cold calls, for sale by owners, things like that, uh, just, and it just transitioned into investments just through some of those connections. Um, really, like, one of them started off as a for sale by owners. Now, what I call a business partner of mine.
1: Yeah, so let's talk about that. You called on this for sale yep. by owner, right? Yep. And he was trying to sell one of his rental properties, or was he trying to sell was- uh, his primary, or what was it?
0: No, it was it was one of his rental properties. It was in it was pretty run down uh of a home anyway it was just a rental that he'd bought up him and his brother had bought a lot of stuff to like some tax sales um you know eight ages ago and, and just kind of been hanging on to this stuff and really openly admitting like i don't really know what i'm kind of doing with this kind of thing I'm like well, let's get together let's see if i can help you out and it was this little fifty five thousand dollar house um in an area of town and sold that and built like a really good rapport. And then that just kind of led to another deal and kind of another one. And then he's like, well, hey, I'm I'm kind of shopping because I'm gonna be renovating my house. So sold him a nice luxury townhouse. Um you know, we've sold a couple of other like specs that he's built or flips that he's done. Uh and then now most recently he's just partnering on a on a five-unit building that I came across just from Uh, kind of other connections, Um, kind of ended up with a family with a trust and then they had seven properties to liquidate. And so that was, that was a really good one.
1: How did you run across that property? I'm curious.
0: That one. So I, how
1: did you run across the family that had the trust that had seven properties?
0: Great question. So that was set up through, through a wholesaler. They arranged, they said this property is going to be open at this day and time. And this wholesaler does not live locally. They're like, california or something like that right so like this gonna be open at this time meet you there blah, blah blah so i showed up looking for that person i didn't even know that they didn't live here um and it turns out it was the owners of of the of the place it was a duplex um and i was like okay like i kind of see what's going on here so i just start chatting with them like yeah we don't really understand what's going on too contract's really gray like we thought you were with them they're like are you with this person like i think so Um, (laughs) I guess I am. I I don't know. So, uh, just built a good rapport with them, um, over that. And then they're like, Oh, let's bring my sister in. Let's bring in Barb. Like she's got that building. There's big, beautiful, uh, quadplex, like right down, literally like a block away, uh, big Victorian quadplex. Like, Oh, you got to get her here. And then we got another duplex, like right around the corner too. And it's just like, Oh, what did I just step into? Um, Mm -hmm. And it was, it was seven, it was seven properties total, I think 11 doors or something like that, like all in all or a little bit more. Um, and just through building rapport right here, let me come by, let me take a look, see what you can get for it. You know, if you just, do you want to put these on the market? Do you just want to kind of like, let them go? Cause you know, I've got a good investor network. I'm like, if you want to just sell these out, right. Like we can do that. And, um, yeah, so that, that five unit was just a part of that, that trust, um, and so some of the stuff I sold off, right, to individual investors, but that, that one was, that was a good one for sure. Because it wasn't, it was in a historic area, um, wasn't subject to historic overlays because it was just on the outside of it. So I don't have to worry about the city coming at us for any kind of renovation work uh, if we were to do it. Um, but it was built like 82 for the World's Fair when that was going on here in Knoxville. So it was a newer building in an area of town where most of the homes are from 1900 to like 1940. So to get something that was built in the 80s, that's going to have modern uh, building practices, PVC, right, for your plumbing and electrical is going to be fairly up to date. Um, it was nice. So it was a good opportunity then for me to bring to, to these guys that I've done at that point, I'd done probably a dozen deals with and said like, hey, this is a really good one. You know, I I would like to kind of get it. But, you know, how can we how can we partner in on this thing? Like, Would you guys be open to that? Um, and then that was something where they said that they, that, yeah, we can do it. So, um, have to leverage kind of some of my commissions from there, but the way it kind of works is like, I brought the deal. Um, I did get a commission on that cause I double-sided it, right. I brought a buyer to them. Um, so I still got my commission there, which just turned and rolled that over into that deal. Um, so they bought the property. I'm bringing the money to fix it.
1: Hey, Corey, okay. hang on, hang on one second. Let's back up real fast because I um I lost you there for one second, right? And you oh, said please. you mentioned to the investors, hey, I'd like to get it, right? Yeah. And and then who structured the deal? Did did you tell them the terms, right? Or we, did they tell you how did that work?
0: Yeah. So that that's a good question. So I mean, we just kind of sat down and looked at it all. What's the total number that's gonna cost us to kind of buy this thing? Um, what's the cost to fix it up and kind of what's our ARV. And then, um, it was a pretty just natural conversation. I mean, we just kind of like worked it out like, Hey, right. I'm bringing, we just kind of factored up those percentages. What's it going to cost, say me as the person to fix the units, like I'm paying for say the new flooring and paint, things like that. Um, and then kind of what's going to be that ARV sort of what's our exit strategy and that we're going to hold it, just kind of refinance it. Um, that way everybody gets kind of paid out, and then we've got a steady cash flow. Um, we just haven't kind of looked at a So
1: they put up the acquisition, you put up the renovation, and you probably manage the the renovation, that piece of it, and then you're gonna burr it.
0: Burr it you know,
1: out. Yeah, burr it back out. See, that is such a great wealth building strategy.
0: Yeah.
1: And um Kudos to you for doing it. And what I'm hearing, and I just want to make sure that the lesson sinks in, right? What I'm hearing is, here's a guy that is good at developing relationships with people, right? He's done multiple transactions with people. So he's built up. They know you, they like you, and they trust you,
0: right? Yeah, I, call, I call it TLCs, like trustability, likability, and credibility.
1: Got it. You built up great TLC with them, right? And, um, and you've done multiple transactions with them. So, so that relationship is there. And then you see an opportunity and you just say, hey, I'd love, I'd love to have a piece of this and let's figure out something that makes sense. And because you've created TLC with this particular person, they work it out. And what many agents don't understand or even wholesalers don't understand is that the person that controls the deal really dictates how it should it should unfold, right? People often think that it's the money, but it's not the money. It's it's uh it's who has the deal, right? And um I don't think enough wholesalers or agents give themselves enough credit, right? They they especially in the beginning of your career, you feel like, oh that's that's for somebody else. That's for somebody that's got more money than me. Um I, you know, maybe they, they feel like they don't deserve it or they don't know enough Uh, But really, as fast as you possibly can, you need to get onto this passive income side. And there's no greater way than to to start accumulating assets, Um, you know, especially at your age, right? Just accumulate as much as you can, as fast as you can. Uh, You and I were talking beforehand. I said, hey, how much are those lots that you're flipping now, (laughs) you know, going for? And you're at least four or five times.
0: Four or five X. Yeah. We were we're selling for then.
1: And so the number one regret that I always get from real estate investors is, man, I wish I'd held on to more, right? I I wish I'd, I wish I'd held on to more, but like the conversation you and I had, it's like, yeah, but you need the money at the time, right? You either baby needs shoes or I need, I need mortgage money or or rental or whatever it is, right? That's part of the hustle. But very quickly, you need to understand you got to take yourself out of the hustle and, and start really building something, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I heard, what I've heard is that you were building relationships, which is such a great place, right, to focus first. is Build these relationships, build knowledge, build relationships, buy assets, right? Yep. And um, have you bought any more with that or that with that gentleman or is that the, that's the that's- first one?
0: That's just the first, right, and that's just kind of the most recent one and and part of that is just financially I'm just in this but my house now is one we're on kind of the tail end of a pretty big renovation that we're we're burring this house, even though we're living it so we're just taking out one r we're not going to rent it um okay. but we're doing that with with this as my primary residence, and then from there, I'll have you know a good amount of cash to kind of go back out and deploy um and beyond the hunt, i mean there's sure. There's, you know, business is going to come daily, honestly, right? Emails come up, things like that. People, wholesalers throw you stuff. And um, there's good opportunities for sure. So it's just about a month or so away. Kind of finish.
1: How did you find your personal residence?
0: Was it on MLS? No, that was also another off-market deal. That was, uh, so this, I met the previous owner of this house at an open house I was hosting around like Halloween of last year. And, um, you know, at that intro at the open house, we chatted real quick. And what are you looking to do? Well, we, you know, we want to buy, um, we do need to sell. And so I had a, a partner on the team at the time who she was taking the buy side of them. And then I was just kind of following the listing side of it. So it started showing them properties, things like that. Um, and they kind of fell off. They just kind of ghosted everybody, um, over, over the holidays. And then it wasn't until, God, probably close to valentine's day of this year he just called me randomly at like eight o'clock on a tuesday night and says hey um you know we're we, so we bought a house back around like thanksgiving and of course you're like your agent base like congratulations in the back of- <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but hey right, good for you what can i what can i help you with and so he's like well hey, i I know you do like some investments and stuff like that and kind of flip properties. And we, you know, we've still got this house. Uh, we don't really know if we want to list it necessarily. Would you be interested or do you know anybody who might be? And I knew where he lived. I'd at least done some market research to understand like this neighborhood and kind of this, it, what we're comping at the time. But I had no idea what this place looked like. Um, so it's kind of going in blind. I was like, what's well, maybe like, what do you want for you? Like, ah, like $180,000. This is a neighborhood at the time, like comps for even homes that were lightly updated, say maybe early 2000s. Some was built 83 were like 270s range. or mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. tell you what, Margaret, like, I'm interested, right? Mm-hmm. How does tomorrow at lunch, how's tomorrow at noon work for you? And noon will be fine. Great. Showed up, brought my wife, and she was walking through here. Her eyes were big as like saucers just because it was pretty trashed. I mean, they've been here for 30 years or more. The home's 39 years old. Everything's original. Everything was original. Um, But the bones were there. You know, we were shopping already. So we were at a price point pre approved upwards of like mid 300s. I was like, we're going to keep this to mid twos just because I know I want to eventually probably have even, even this as another rental property. So I know where I want my payment to be for the numbers to flush sure. out. So we got this for, you know, 180. I was like, I could dump 80 into this and I'm still going to be like the threshold I originally wanted to be. And I'm going to have a home that's going to be worth mid threes or close to four. And that's pretty much where I'm at now. We're about pretty hey, awesome. into it. Yeah. If I were, if as this is finished out, if I wanted to put this on the market, I would expect 380 to 400 and get it pretty darn quickly.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. It's interesting because, um, my business partner, he runs our, our Gainesville location. Um, his first house that he ever purchased was a short sale. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was at one point in time, I was the short sale, one of the short sale Kings in this area. Right. When that was my hustle in, in 2011, 20, you know, what was it? It was like Two thousand nine, ten, eleven, right. twelve. I mean, I just I just did a ton of short sales. So I knew I I knew what that world was like. And he had one that came up in his neighborhood and he's like, Hey, can you can you go on this appointment with me? And when we sat down and we were just talking to the owners, I just I just kinda happened to say, I was like, Matt, you should maybe you should think about buying this house, right? And uh and so anyhow it, it came to fruition and that that first one has since led to five others in the community that he works, well, sure. right, and what happens is opportunity comes across your desk, especially when you go after a very hyper local geographic kind of area. People start getting to know you, and um, yeah, so he's got now five in the in the community, and um, his net worth has exploded, right? Because you can imagine, right, when you start buying these assets and you buy them right, um, and, and and you buy them, we buy them, you know, he buys them transparently because he's a neighbor, He's the neighborhood yeah. expert. But he's like, hey, if you put it on the open market, this is what you can expect to get. Mm-hmm. And if you put some money into it, and we'll even lend you the money because we have a Renovate Now Pay Later program, this is what you can expect to get. Or you don't have to do any of that and I can get you a cash offer and, you know, tell me what, what you want. And and he's been able to he's been able to assess property that way and build his build his net build his net worth tremendously right from that. And so I want everybody to kind of hear that because it's so tempting many times to just sell the asset as a wholesaler or sell it as an agent and take the cash off the table and then put it in your pocket and go do it again. But but wealth is created by delaying some of that gratification. Yeah right. And, and holding it for long-term. So you're going to burn it, your existing house. You're just not going to rent it, right. You're going to take the money back. It's not
0: like, you know, a few years maybe, but.
1: And you're going to use that maybe to, um, the same thing you did before where you could put up the renovation money on a project, right. And somebody else puts up the acquisition.
0: Yeah. I've, I've done that model before on like a few flips. Um, with say like an investor partner kind of thing, where they've, uh you know, they've maybe brought the money. Me and a buddy of mine, right before like lockdown, flipped a condo that I, I had the deal right. I helped the owner of that bought a house locally. So he's an older guy. I was like, "What do you want to do with this condo?" He's like, "Right, you could fix it up and you could keep it as a rental and basically supplement the payment for the house, or you could just let it go or whatever." He's like, "I'll just sell it." Like. I'll buy it right which kind of worked out those details and so I I brought that deal uh my friend Chris uh brought the money you know cash And I put the money to fix it and then we just split it uh on the backside. he's a general contractor so he's got a little bit more uh labor skill than me I'm a great gopher just go for this go for that right grab this hold of that and kind of um, I'm great at that Um, so we worked out a deal there where, yeah, we, we just kind of split it that way. So that's primarily how I've done it. Um, this was the first kind of like partnership hold, um, what's regular relationship with these guys. Uh, we've done a lot of business together and are going to look to keep doing more.
1: Corey, let me, let me ask you this because I've seen this, I've seen this trend. I've, I've had a number of people approach me about or talk to me about Tennessee, wanting to know more about Knoxville, Tennessee specifically, right? Um, are you seeing people from other parts of the U.S. purchasing? Are you seeing people, you know, out of either Florida or California or Color like some of these states where, um, you know, people are taking their money out and they're buying in your market? Is that happening?
0: Absolutely. Um, certainly we've got, like Knoxville itself is a great town. And then our little sub market is, you know, the great Smoky mountains and like Sevierville and Gatlinburg, which is like the most visited national park in the entire United States. I mean, the numbers up there are insane for just the Airbnb short-term rental market. It's, it's mm-hmm. pretty ridiculous. Um, but like Knoxville specifically, it's a great college town. So there's usually steady, as income there. There's, you know, two major highways running through it. So, uh, small manufacturing things like that it's it's pretty attractive it's still an area in the country where that one percent rule still applies pretty well like you can find it some people complain like Mm. it doesn't exist but it exists um especially because i think we're we've been under rented for so long that we're only just now catching up to other areas around the country um Mm -hmm. so like our our values have been a little bit lower so we're just kind of catching up and in fact my Say my first investor, um, the guy I've done now probably half a dozen deals with, uh, lives in like San Diego. Um, and I met him just BSing around. I had like a pretty beat up duplex or triplex uh over in South Knoxville that I put a Facebook ad in uh just at like a hundred mile radius of like Los Angeles, basically. I was like, let me just put an ad here for like 10 bucks. I'm like, nobody here is gonna buy this thing but let me see if I can pick up somebody on the West coast that'll buy it. And like, he called me and he didn't buy that place, which was fine. Um, cause we've done a half a dozen deals or more like since then, you know? Um, and we did a good, uh, like good 1031 exchange for him on a condo he sold in San Diego. It was about 450,000. And I turned that into, I think probably $1.2 million portfolio here just in Knoxville um, he's been here twice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that we do see it for sure. Like,
1: and are you managing the properties too for these investors or do you have like, a? okay, good, good, good. I
0: have, yeah. Yeah. No, I have a, I have a great relationship with a property manager locally. I I know my role. She does her role. She managed probably about 500 doors, uh, right now. Um, and so we've got a great referral relationship as well because, you know, I'll hand off investors to her this is your go-to person. She's going to get you top rent. She's going to get you great tenants, take care of it all. Um, and at the same time, it comes bo- it comes back, right? Because then she'll get phone calls from investors that are maybe looking for deals or something like that. And she's referred me business. Uh, and I've met other investors from around country just from, from that kind of relationship. So I definitely know my role and I try to hand off the property management piece. I'll help work the deal out. Um, I do take great pride in that. Uh, I'll say that for like, say for, for Declan, for instance, where, um, he's been here twice, literally like in what, three years we've been like kind of working together. Um, he's buying a lot of these houses. I mean, he's buying all of them sight unseen. Um, Mm -hmm. it's by me, my eyes, my ears, my nose, everything. So I keep like a little go bag in my car with, you know, gross jeans and a t-shirt, whatever. I got to crawl around under a house, like to look at it and at least get a feel for it with my limited knowledge of construction. Um,
1: are you? But, are, you're not even doing like a, a, you know, like a FaceTime or anything no, like we'll that. No, we'll do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, we'll okay. do Zoom. I mean, we'll do like a Zoom call or FaceTime, and I'll be crawling around. Here we are in the crawl space, kind of thing, right? uh, uh or just kind of going around, and we'll kind of analyze the deal there, uh, kind of live, and then if it makes sense, we'll we'll sort it out, out through, you know, whole inspections through all that due diligence purpose. But I, I take a big ownership piece of that because like these are people trusting you with hundreds of thousands of dollars right to make a judgment call um especially in a market that's moving quickly as we have over the last you know year and a half um it's important just are
1: you seeing i'm curious are you seeing a little bit of a slowdown
0: a little bit um Mm -hmm. just and i would say like yeah some of it some of it like we went from I saw July, we were like our, our median days on market was like three. Uh, we went to six. <laughs> um, so average days on market has crept up a little bit. We're about like two weeks is like the average. Um, so a little bit, I think some of it's seasonal. We've seen some people are kind of getting out of the, Um, maybe the, maybe they're scared of COVID or just, they're just finally seeing like they're waiting for, for the, for the shoe to drop right and the, the market to crash where and they realize like oh it's not it's only kept kind of going up and i might as well just cash out now um and go for it so uh we've do seen our have, no.
1: do you guys have larger multifamilies in that area or is it smaller duplexes triplexes quads five
0: i guess it's it just depends on like where like the larger stuff is usually closer to like you'll find campus housing that'll have mm. Yeah. Students and things like that. A lot of student housing close to campus. And then as you get outside of that, it's mostly, yeah, duplexes and quads, you know, the odd five or six unit building. And then you've got big apartment complexes. Sure. But, um,
1: what can, what can you buy a duplex for in a, in a, you know, average neighborhood, right? Not like a war zone, maybe a bread and butter you know, sure. type of neighborhood.
0: Um,
1: anywhere um, do like go for? 200 to
0: 300,000. Okay. So let's say two fifty. Say They've that. a They're going to, it's going to get your 1%. It's like if each unit, say each side is like a two bedroom, two bath or something like that on it, you should be able to hit like your, your 1250 a month, uh, rent on that possibly more. I mean, we've got a little house and we've got a little two bedroom, one bath house in South Knoxville. That's 800 and some square feet that rents for, Twelve fifty. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, and that was.
1: What about what about those Airbnbs? And you could tell I'm asking. I'm I'm asking selfish questions now, right? My investor mind is going off, and I know a lot of people here might even be reaching out to you and say, "Hey," because there's not a lot of places around the country where that rule still kind of works, and um, and where you see a lot of population growth. Normally, they're in areas that are dying. Right. Sure. And uh, and you gotta be careful, right? As an investor, you gotta be careful not to go into an area that, that is dying. You wanna see you wanna check the demographics. Is the area growing? What's the age of the population? Um, and it, it sounds like there's a lot of mojo, good positive mojo kind of flowing your
0: <laughs> a way. lot of a lot of movement in East Tennessee from all over. I mean, certainly we're seeing the, the California exodus, but I mean, all over the U.S., people are moving here for retirement. Um, I just did a deal this past weekend for a couple uh, from Jacksonville, Florida, that are going to be retiring in about two years. And they bought a 114-acre parcel of land this past weekend. Um, Wow. Because they're going to build their forever home on that. And eventually, that'll be something they can hand down to their family. We're seeing that, too, as people that are just deciding, like, hey, I want to retire. I want, you know... Nice a little bit nicer spaces or just some more woods. Where can I go to buy a hundred acres? You can still get it for sure here.
1: That's interesting. Um, what does a hundred acres go for? Just like, I mean, I know that that's like, it depends, yeah,
0: right? I, it depends. depends on where you want to be and how it pays. Yeah. So, this particular deal was 114 acres. Uh, we're under contract for around 275K. um That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's about an hour outside of town, it's about an hour north. So like okay. if you were, you can still get to the store if you need just like groceries, it's 20 minute drive from this property mm-hmm. where you're not like so out in the sticks or something like that. It's just, it's rural. Um, but there's at least what you need locally close by. And then if you wanted to go for like a night on the town, you want to walk downtown Knoxville and check out Tennessee theater and some of the lights and things like that. Probably an hour drive. Maybe a little There's over. been a,
1: there's been a, a, a big, right. If you just go on YouTube, you just go on like everything. I mean, a big airbnb push right um and have you seen those properties get inflated in that in your market
0: market, right? and i don't have the numbers like right in front of me but i believe we're seeing we've seen like a almost a 30 percent appreciation like just in the year since like january yeah. you know i know people that backed out uh of deals we were in the middle of like right when they started locking things down Um, and I look at some of those periphery markets, California, those are like my canary in the coal mine, anything that's happening there, I can expect to probably happen here by about 10 or 11 days later. It's about that Mm -hmm. delay. You know, they started, we started doing some COVID release forms and things like that. Like California started it 10 days later, here's Tennessee, you know, association of realtors. Here's this new COVID release form. Um, so I know people that backed out of deals though, back then that, If they'd have if they would have just gone through with that, they would have, yeah, yeah, they would have
1: done it.
0: Yeah. oh, done extremely well. Absolutely, you know, everybody gets kind of freaked out at one point. I mean, I think across the country, everybody kind of like, you know, the market dipped for sure. But now that market,
1: well, let me ask you this, right? How are you now preparing for the next? And this is a deep question, right? Preparing for the next ten years right um what are some of the and you may not have this fully fleshed out i most people don't but i'm just curious like what are you thinking you want to do from an investment standpoint uh over the next 10 years how do you want to structure things what what are some plans you have what are some goals you have and you know what, what and one thing i haven't asked you is you know have you gotten kicked in the face with any investments yet Has that happened to you or or has everything you've touched turned to gold? A
0: little bit of both. I'll answer that, right? Like for the most part, everything's gone. Certainly, well, like has there been some properties that we've maybe taken on that we've all of a sudden hit an unknown like expense? And yeah, you've got to go in and I mean, even shoot, even on my house, like I've had stuff come up that everyone's like, well, we got to replace it. It is what it is. I got like pretty close to moving in and we were starting to lay flooring. And I realized that the, um, was it, like the sill plate on the front of the house, like that whole beam that runs across the front, totally rotted and eaten away and stuff like that. Like, awesome. Here we go. Let's tear all this up and kind of uh, put an extra couple grand into the property. Um, so that's, it certainly happens on it all. Um,
1: yeah, but, but, you know, you haven't had something, you haven't had the short sell anything or fault on or anything or you know no like
0: yeah thankfully like nothing like that i mean i've had some different like some newer challenges has just been um kind of dipping into the luxury market a little bit more and that's just i think just expectations um overall that just people in that world sphere operate in uh is in their day-to-day life um And then also, I guess, especially just the relocation from like other states to here, and they just by default are in our luxury price point. Our luxury price point starts about seven hundred k. So you know, you got somebody moving from from say California or New York, and they're selling their property, which might be just a modest home, and it's two million dollars, and they're they've got a lot of that in cash. They're coming here, and they're buying in a luxury price point kind of without even realizing it, uh, in Mm -hmm. that sense. And so, um, some of the challenges there, just, I guess, expectations that maybe those people have, uh, having to be a little bit more of an educator and explaining the differences from like state to state, right? Like New York, I believe has like an attorney on either side or there is a realtor there, but like an attorney is there to vet a lot of the information and things like that. The realtor is always just kind of the, the show bony salesperson on it all. Um, and so I, I've run into that with folks out of, say, like Boston area or New York. And they're like, well, who's who's the attorney or who's your attorney or who's this? Not like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> There's an attorney title company. I mean, like, oh, that, it's it's me and my team or whatever. That's kind of having to vet a lot of this info for you and make sure that like all the numbers make sense that, you know, uh, just to work through all the due diligence. You um, get
1: those New Yorkers, those guys from Boston steamrolling you. Right. Like, it, what are you it, talking about?
0: Yeah, exactly. It's it's an interesting uh interesting predicament to be in.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. that's cool. Well I but I cut you off. I had the, the ten year question, right? Sure. Um what are you what are you thinking about? What are some of the things you're looking to do over the next decade?
0: I am in a mindset of over oh, kind of a lot of what we talked about here is just like taking a lot of my commissions um and trying to roll that over into investment properties for the future i mean my rule of thumb um is i i try to live on about 40 percent of that like income um mm. meaning that like say there's going to be out of a commission check there's going to be you know 20 30 that's going away for taxes and then so that's leaving me about like 70 percent of that that original number um I'm trying to still live on like 40% of that because the extra 30, I'm trying to deploy either for like savings for like long-term parking it into, uh, some things like overfunded, you know, whole life insurance or, um, just acquiring my goal is at least one or two rental properties, just per- like my family, uh, per year. And by that point, and the way that kind of math shakes out is by that point, most of them would be pretty close to paid for um and i have a pretty good passive income stream or at least they would be they'll they'll all be pretty super well protected against any type of market
1: like yeah cycle you you broke up a little bit on me uh, but let me just see if i heard you right you said w- what you want to do what you've been doing is living off a of 40% yeah. of 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 the commission so um so if it's a $10,000 commission are you saying like fourth
0: you know your sense four of just grand. Four, four grand four grand bills expense whatever like personal life living uh is what's going there right there's going to be tax money that's taken out and then there's going to be uh a a another 20 say twenty, thirty 30 percent that's left over um and that's going towards longer term savings like Mm their reserves and savings i've kind of i sat in a really good um mastermind class uh with like bob uh, Kalinsky, who's like a regional Southeast owner of Keller Williams, uh, which is not like a wealth building class. And Bob had a great breakdown of just like, you know, you want like a year's worth of reserves for your personal life, six months of reserves for your business, just operating expenses. And once that's done, now you've earned the right to mm-hmm. invest. And then that's where your savings comes into play. So if your reserves are good and you know, you and your family, your business are protected, um, and you're, you're well insured and all those things are covered, then that savings is where I'm at now is like money goes, that 20, 30% goes into savings and that's saving for the next, say, rental property. Sure. And that's, my, yeah, that's my goal of like one or two a year for the next like decade. Um, and that should, should put me in a pretty good position at that point too. Good. It's
1: going to be a great position. Yeah. It's, it'll, it'll be a great position. Just that thinking alone many times speeds up that process right just thinking and having the discipline around that speeds up that process yeah um awesome and you guys are going to stay put so you are going to be like our go-to people in Tennessee or are you planning to move somewhere somewhere I, here soon
0: i'm planning on staying here i love tennessee i mean i in high school i didn't like it cuz it was like i grew up in chicago originally so like moving to some little mountain town was just not my style or speed at all at that age especially at like you know 13 to 17 no way. I couldn't, I just, at the time, I was too too much of an angsty, moody teenager to appreciate how beautiful it really is here and how cool the people really are. Uh, so no, I mean, no plans on, on leaving here anytime soon. We're
1: Although be- I do know that you have a map behind you of all the places like you want to go and visit and pin and well,
0: do all that stuff. Yeah, the, the map's got places where we, we've lived. I mean, there's like, you know, uh, San Francisco uh, here, right, North Carolina, Florida, this place my wife and I have lived. Uh, Spain is on there. Malawi in Africa is on there as well. So, like we we have the itch. I mean, the retirement goal is uh probably 55. I'm done, which is 20 years away from now, or almost 20, 21 years. Uh, You're a
1: baby, dude. You're a baby. a baby.
0: I'm still a I baby. But I, got, we, yeah. I got 21 years left by that point. I mean, our, our son, who's a year and a half, he'll be grown and have wings and he's off doing his thing. Probably at least one or two more. So ideally, my goal is like the nest is empty. And then we're taking our passive income stream and we're going to go live in Valencia, Spain for a couple of years, at least until grandbabies start happening. And then and then we'll move back to the States. But I want to do the expat thing for at least a good five or six years, kind of in that retirement. And then we'll move back onto some big acreage spread Uh, I do kind of like what my in-laws have. They're on some beautiful hundred some acres with a beautiful custom home. Like they're sitting really well. <laughs> they, they, That's I, awesome they don't realize how much of a role model I think they are for me, mm. like later in life and stuff like that. I try to thank Pete all the time, right? Of just like, Hey man, like you're doing good. And he's, he's super appreciative. I love my in-laws. They're, they're the best.
1: That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You bring up a good point. It's, um, you know, the people that's just you're surrounded with really dictate kind of like what your future vision looks like. And so I would encourage everybody to get out there and just, experience different people and if you have the ability to, 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 to be around people, I, you know, um, that can open up your mind about what's possible. Yeah. It, it really shifts and makes life exciting, right? It makes life exciting. And, and, um, I know that i met an entrepreneur early in my life and he literally opened up my eyes to what was possible in the world of business. And I just saw the lifestyle, I saw the house, I saw how he treated people in such a cool way and 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 uh, just the influence that he had. And I was like, I want that. Yeah. I want that, right? It, it was it was very cool, very cool to see. Yeah. Right. No, that's awesome. Well, cool, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you you um you spending time with me today in, in the grid that's community, true. right? Um, I think the things that I learned uh, Here's a guy that understands that long-term relationships are valuable assets in themselves, right? People yeah. often look at like they just want to go do a deal and they don't realize that the real value is in the relationships and the people that you meet along the way in the on the journey. And that those relationships over time compound and create massive dividends in your life and uh, dividends that you don't even fully understand, you know, but they play out. You can look back 20 years later and be like, wow. You know, that was right. wild, right? And um yeah, uh, you know, I'm still young, but I'm older than you, right? Uh I got I got a good twenty years on you. How old are you get? You're 35.
0: 34.
1: 34. okay, no, what am I talking what am I talking about? Um, yeah, 47, yeah. Right. But um but I, I do have the ability to look back over this, you know, 20 year career and be like, wow, there's these relationships that I met early on and you just, they just grow and blossom and they've left, uh, they've led me in so many different directions. And I, I find that relationships are one of the most valuable things that, that I have with people,
0: it's Everything, right? It's everything. it's everything,
1: it's everything, right? It's everything. And, um, and the real estate is just part of the game that we play to um, keep score and build and, and kind of build financial freedom along the way. Right. Right. Um, And this earned income, whether you're, if you're a listener right now, and you're, you're a wholesaler or you're a rehabber, or perhaps you're in construction or any small business where you're creating earned income, know that you've got to take that earned income and you've got to figure out a way to, to convert it, flip it, right? The income flip, flip it to the passive income side, passive income column, uh, where you start getting money to work for you, businesses work for you, uh, so that you can create freedom of time, um, freedom of money, and uh, and really freedom to choose who you want to spend your time with, freedom of relationships, right? Yeah. And so um, thanks for sharing some time today and some wisdom on that. Um, you know, I know that um, I got a sense that I'm probably going to end up buying something in Tennessee, (laughs) but I'm looking for something larger. Right. Um, something, something, um, something where we can raise a lot of capital to buy something, uh, in that market. So if anything exists out there, that's 40, 50, hundred, 150 units, um, hit me up, man. I'm always putting my feelers out there.
0: Sure. Let me know. I can do it for sure.
1: (laughs) Okay, brother. Take care. Thanks so much for sharing time today, Corey.
0: Thanks, Rob. Appreciate you.